Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you gentlemen without a doubt our God is great and we honor him and we praise him and if you are standing or if you're at home celebrating and clapping if you are lifting your voice celebrating and saying that let one day let this be mine then we join our faith with yours and we say one day not a day far away that season will be yours we declare over you and your loved ones that God will be great on your behalf in all ways and in all things. Ladies and gentlemen, I will ask you to kindly be seated if you're in the worship center. If you're at home and you are still standing, then you are free. But if you would like to sit down, please take a seat as we go into the word today. We ask the Lord that he takes absolute control. We ask him that he is kind and that he is merciful. But most of all, we ask that he is God. In Jesus' most holy name, we have prayed. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, today the title of my message is New Wine, New Wine Skins. And kindly turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, reading from verses 14 to 17. Jesus, many times, when he wants to introduce something, he uses a parable or an allegory. And we look at one today. I'll read from verse 14. The Bible says, Then the disciples of John came to Jesus inquiring, Why is it that we and the Pharisees fast often? That is, abstain from food and drink as a religious exercise, but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus replied to them, Can the wedding guests mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. And no one puts a piece of cloth that has not been shrunk on an old garment, for such a patch tears away from the garment and worse, and a worse rent or tear is made. Verse 17, which is our focus today. Neither is new wine put in old wineskins, for it is the skins, for if it is, the skins burst and are torn in pieces, and the wine is spilled and the skins are ruined. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a few questions arising from that because Jesus is obviously speaking about something that's important to us. And we realize that, so we're going to look at a few questions arise, and the first one that arises is this. What constitutes new wine or wine? What constitutes new wine? And ladies and gentlemen, to put it simply, the new wine is simply put, anything that God places or cause, anything that God places in something that causes a fundamental change in the way we do, see, or experience things. That is anything that God places in us or places in something that causes us to see, do, or experience 
new things. And so we have, that brings us to a very simple conclusion. When we are talking about new wine, we are talking about the word of God. But let me put it this way before we go in, and we are talking about the word of God. And let me back that up with two scriptures. And the first one is this. In the famous parable of the sower, Jesus makes a categorical statement that when God wants to transfer anything from himself to you or I, he does it one way. And the Bible says in Mark 4.14, the sower sows the word. So when God wants to put something or transfer the new or transfer life or healing or a breakthrough, insight, wisdom, he will send his word. We also realize Jesus was speaking, and he was speaking to the woman at the well, the famous conversation. And he makes this statement, and I will read from John 4, verses 13 to 14. And this is quite interesting. The Bible says the following, that the water springing up into eternal life, the word that the water that God gives, Jesus says it this way, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up to, unto eternal or everlasting life. So ladies and gentlemen, we come to a very simple conclusion that the new wine, when Jesus says wine or new wine, he's talking about the word. He's talking about the water that he gives us. And so we can come to a very simple conclusion that when Jesus says new wine, he is not talking about an it, a thing or an experience, he's talking about a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And so this brings us to a very simple conclusion, that when Jesus says new wine is going to be put into new wine skins, the first thing that answers our question is that new wine is the person of the Holy Spirit manifesting the word, manifesting the refreshing, manifesting the life, manifesting the victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that answers our questions. And so when we hear things about the new, one of the things that we can be assured about is that the Holy Spirit is in absolute control. But let's go on, because sometimes we realize that when we listen to that parable, there is a great consternation that, well, am I an old wineskin or I am a new wineskin? Let's see whether the Bible settles it. And so we realize, ladies and gentlemen, that when Jesus is speaking about new wineskins, he's not speaking about wine or bottles. He's speaking about you and I. He's speaking about people. And if Jesus is speaking about people, then the only question that we come to ask is that 
in a man or in me or in you what constitutes a new wineskin. Jesus himself provides us the answer, and he does it when he is challenged later on, when he's challenged by a group of Pharisees, and they send their best. And they ask him a question that if he got wrong, the whole thing would collapse. And they say, Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus responds, and there we find our answer. Jesus says, this is the first and the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That brings us to a simple conclusion. He says, and then he goes on to say, this is the first and the great commandment, and he goes on, and it's quite remarkable. But that gives us our answer. So what constitutes a new wineskin or a wineskin in a man or a woman? It is a heart, a soul, or a mind. And the beautiful thing about this is this. And please hear me. The good thing about that particular trio of things is that all of them are renewable. That means, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are sitting, in whatever condition you find yourself, wherever you find yourself right now, please hear me well. That when we talk about new wineskins, Jesus is saying that your heart, your soul, and your mind are what? Renewable. That by virtue of my presence, my person, and my impact, I will do what? Renew your heart, your soul, and your mind, making you ready to receive the new wine which we have worked out is the person of the Holy Spirit. What happens next is going to be remarkable. But let's break that down so we can understand. Because some people may say, well, my heart is broken. Some may say my mind is out of control. Some may say my soul is literally damaged. Let's see whether they are renewable. So let's start with our heart. And talking about the heart, there are two things to note. The first thing I want you to note about your heart is its condition. And the, remember, it's the condition of your heart that determines whether or not the Word of God is accepted or whether or not the new wine will find a home there. And the Bible says this. And so please turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And the Bible says the following. For the Word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart, meaning that when the word of God comes into your heart, God will fix whatever is broken. It does not matter how long you face the challenge. It does not matter how long you have faced the damage. It does not matter who did it to you. Hear me well. When God gets involved, he says, I'm going to separate things. Things that came after I got involved will be removed, leaving me free and leaving you free to walk with me because my word is what? It's alive. 
it's ready for you. And it will bring and achieve what I want it to achieve. The second thing I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is this. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second thing I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that the, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is God's heart surgeon. And please hear me. Turn with me in Romans chapter 2, verse 29, because some people may say, well, you know what? Things have been so tough for me. I, my heart can't go that way again. It's too difficult for me to believe. I've gone through too much. Romans chapter 2, verse 29, and the Bible says the following. The Bible says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and true circumcision is of the heart a spiritual and not a literal matter. His praise is not from men, but from God. There's one more case I would like to deal with and one more thing about your heart I would like you to remember. And I'm probably speaking to somebody who is watching me right now, who is going through a nightmare, who says, you know what, pastor, I hear you and I appreciate everything you're saying, but my heart is broken. There's no way it's damaged. It's broken in pieces. Turn with me to Isaiah 61 verse 1. And the Bible says the following. The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound. Ladies and gentlemen, what am I saying? That the condition of your heart is in the hands of the person who created it. When you lean into the Lord, he will fix, repair, replace, or change whatever is needed. Meaning, when the new comes, you are a prime candidate. Neither in any way, shape, or form are you going to be excluded when God changes things, reinvents things, or reinvents things for you. So please be at peace. It is God's intention that every single person who bears the name of Christ, who bears the Spirit of God on their inside, is destined for the new. Let your heart be calm. Therefore, but the second thing we want to go look at is what is your heart filled with? Because what your heart is filled with produces two, uh, three things. It produces your words, it produces your thoughts, and it produces your actions. The outcome of your life is pretty much determined by what your heart, when it is being restored, what it is filled with. So if you find yourself speaking doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, challenge, and think anything of that is negative or anything that is not of God, Pause for a moment. The issue is not that you are in a state that cannot be changed. The issue, ladies and gentlemen, is that you have a heart full of something that is not of God. So let's see whether that is the case. Turn in your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, to Proverbs chapter 4, reading from 20 to 23. The Bible says the following. My son, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, 
and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Please hear me, that person who thinks that things are so tough I can't change them. Pause for a moment. The Lord says, all you need to do is put the word of God into your heart. The word will do the heavy lifting. The word will do the healing. The word will do the correcting. The word will bring health where health is necessary. Hear me well, and I'm sorry I'm speaking to someone on this side of the planet and on that side of the planet. That God is about to heal, restore to an original state something that was broken, something they said could not be changed, something they said would fail. Hear me well. Things concerning you are about to change, and you must understand that your loving Father is in absolute control. The new is nothing to be afraid of. Why? God is ready for you. He said, I'll work with your heart so you will be a candidate for success. Nobody will be able to take it away. Turning your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, as we begin to deal with the soul. The soul, ladies and gentlemen, is different from your heart. Your heart has one function, and that is it is there to believe, to accept that what God has said is true. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is what a healed heart will do. It will cause you to believe, accept as true that your, what your father says about you, yourself, or your circumstances are real. Hear me well. Now we go to your soul. Your soul has a completely different function. Your soul is the decider. It's where you find your intellect. It's where you find your will. And it is where you find your emotions. All the things that we make decisions with. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you found yourself in a situation where you are, ladies and gentlemen, making decisions that are negative or things that are not according to God's will or you find that decisions are a challenge, things are about to change now. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 19, verse 7. This is the beautiful thing about the Bible. The Bible will articulate God's mind to you in such a way to remove all doubt, fear, and worry. Psalms 19, verse 7. The Bible says the following. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so let us pause there and let us hold on to that word, meaning as long as you put the word of God on your inside, as long as you spend time reading, studying, meditating, confessing, and acting on the word of God, a process of conversion will happen. Meaning God will take you from where he meets you to where you should be and you may not know he's doing it. But that is what God said you should do. And I'll go to Peter to wrap this up and then I will move on. Because what does God do when he converts your soul? He changes the way you make decisions. He changes the way you process situations or circumstances. He changes the way you choose to interact with him and with life itself. And so 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says the following, since by your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit, you have purified your hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren, see that you love and one another fervently from a pure heart, 
You have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal, by the ever-living and lasting word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, what am I saying? When you give your life to Christ, a process of regeneration begins, and it will take you to a place where God says, this is what I was looking for all the time. And it is a process he manages. So please hear me well. Wherever you are sitting, your living room, your home, on the other side of the world, God is in control. The last thing I want to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, and the last thing I want to present to you is if the, the key of your mind. Now, the key of your mind is your mind has three functions. And the three functions of your mind are it has the ability to picture or hold in place tomorrow, yesterday, and what is invisible. It is a gift. Many times we feel and find that it is out of control, but what we realize as we read the Bible we will realize that your mind is the key to everything turning. And so if you could turn in your Bibles, please, and I'll, just, I'll open it up and, so that I may read verbatim to Ephesians chapter 4. And I will read from verse 20. Ephesians 4, verse 20. See, the key to us having a renewed mind is found in these scriptures. And the Bible says, but you did not so learn Christ. Assuming that you have really heard him and have been taught by him as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in him. Strip yourselves of your former nature, put off and discard your old and unrenewed self, which is characterized, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. Verse 23, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Verse 24, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, the key is found in verse 21. Because in verse 21, the Bible says that you have been taught by the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Meaning, your mind is renewed when you accept and embody the truth. John 17, 17 tells us what the truth is or who the truth is. And Jesus says, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. And notice the effect. The Bible says that when you do so, you literally put on the new man. That means your heart, your soul, and your mind are what? Renewable. So when God wants to pour in the new, he will embark on a process of renewing, ensuring you are able 
to receive and embody what he wants to bring into your life. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring this to a close. So your question may then be, okay, so what is the impact of the new in my life? What is the impact of God giving me a new heart, new soul, and new mind, and then pouring in the Holy Spirit? What is the impact? And this is where it all becomes exciting. Because ladies and gentlemen, the heart, the soul, and mind of man are primarily given so that you may receive and respond to the dictates of the person of the Holy Spirit. Thus, ensuring that your life or experience become what God originally intends. And so how am I going to show you this? There are many scriptures that I could go to, but sometimes the best way to demonstrate something is to tell someone a story. And I'm going to pick on a story. It's one of the shorter books of the Bible, and the Bible is the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth has a very interesting characteristic. Ruth, just like you, just like me, embodies the new. She stands in front of Naomi, and she declares that I will not leave you, neither will I let you be, because I have made a promise to God. And that's all she does. She does what she can. She takes care of an old lady, and ministry begins. And this is what I want you to hold on to. And this is where we close. I would encourage you to go through the book of Ruth. But as you do, it's four chapters, great reading. As you do so, I want you to notice something. And it is this. From the time Ruth makes a declaration of this is what God wants me to do, there is no recorded prayer concerning anything that Ruth requires. They arrive home at the barley harvest. They didn't plan it. Boaz comes to his field without them knowing. Boaz has found out about Ruth without her knowing. Boaz decides to be kind to Ruth without their knowing. Naomi decides to ensure that Ruth's life gets better without discussing it with her. Hear me well, Boaz fights for Ruth where she is no longer there. Hear me well, and she doesn't know what he goes through. Ruth doesn't even realize that Boaz is facing his own challenges, and through that, he still fights for Ruth. You hear me well, and I'm coming to the conclusion, and this is what I want you to realize about the new. Listen carefully, the, that book concludes with this reality. Ruth finds herself standing in the new 20 years out of season. And the Bible says God gives her conception as a gift. Not only does she break every barrier of normal, not only does she find herself where she never thought she would see again, not only is she restored, but hear me well, ladies and gentlemen, through her life, God rewrites or completes a promise he made seven generations before. She finds herself placed in the highest pinnacle or, the, or on the highest pinnacle of honor. She finds herself as a Moabite in the lineage of Jesus Christ. What am I telling you about the new? Ladies and gentlemen, hear me well, and this is where we will close. 
when the Lord fills you with new wine. A level of ministry, life, and experience will come to you that is only reflected where you look at the Garden of Eden. Nothing you need will not be provided and it will come many times even before you ask, hear me well. Ladies and gentlemen, the new wine is the God you serve. You are a brand new wineskin through his intervention. The rest, ladies and gentlemen, will be history. And as we go to close this out, because I'm sure there are lots of people who are wondering, where do I stand in this? And if you are listening to me or have listened to me and you're wondering, Pastor, how do I get involved? My name is actually Bajo, it's not Pastor. But it's, how do I get involved? How do I walk in the new? Just like we said, God will do it on your behalf. Because Jesus said, if you confess me, then I will make an exchange and I will give you my life and I will take away the limitations of yours. We call that salvation. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're doing that and if you would like to do that, I want you to realize, please, say a very simple prayer. Just ask Jesus to come into your life wherever you are. Ask him to forgive your sins and to be Lord of your life. If you're sitting on the couch or you're sitting in your living room, if you're listening to me in your car, ask him to come to where you are and the miracle of salvation will follow. It is an infallible exchange. And if you would like us to walk with you on this journey, if you would like us to support you, or you would like to come along and just say, you know what, I made it, then please, there's a QR code on your screen. There might be a link in your chat. And if you're listening to me driving a car, when you stop, log on to our website and click on the button. Fill in the form that comes whereby you said, I want to start a new life in Christ. And hear me well, we will come alongside you and we will join you in prayer and celebration as the Lord begins the process of transformation from where you are to where you should be. And ladies and gentlemen, this is my closing and this is what I would like to say to all of us who have made that journey. One verse of scripture comes to mind and it dictates the new and it is this. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 is preceded by what I have just told you. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 verse 16 and 17 that God will fill you with his spirit and he will give you strength. Where? In the inner man. Heart, soul, and mind. The rest he will make happen. But the results will be found in verse 20. And they are God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above whatsoever you may have asked or thought so that he, through your life, may be glorified. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the new that God wants to point you to. And we leave you in his very safe hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening.